0: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey sports with an awesome
1: network and great savings. There's never been a better time to join T-Mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: The green Bay Packers select. How did green Bay do in the 2020 NFL draft? Let's find out on the Fans Green and Gold Draft Recap Show. Presented by Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling, Schulze Family Beef, Q Club of Wisconsin, Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship, ABC Audio Video, and West Bend Sausage Plus. Now the hosts of tonight's show, the executive producer of the Bill Michaels statewide network, Joe Zenzola, and the Fans Green Bay
3: Football Insider, Mike Clemens. Welcome in. The 2020 class is set for the Green Bay Packers, and you might be shocked by some of the names and positions you saw being selected over the last three days. We have a lot to discuss here in the next couple of hours. Welcome in alongside Green Bay football reporter Mike Clemens. I'm Radio Joza and Zola. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And uh, it is... Very interesting to see the Packers draft class finally in place. And just to reset things, let's go through the whole class here, and then we'll get more into some of the players that were drafted today because the Packers had the majority of their picks in rounds 5, 6, and 7. They did not have a draft selection in round 4 because they traded it away to get Jordan Love at pick 26. Of course, Jordan Love was the first guy that went on Friday night. We all know that, all the controversy that's behind that pick. Last night, the Packers in round two selected A.J. Dillon, the running back out of Boston College. Also, Josiah Degara, the tight end out of Cincinnati in round three. So then today, Packers had to wait a little bit before they could make a pick. We were hoping that maybe they would go out and move back into the fourth round and make some kind of pick there. They don't. They stand pat. Effect. They really don't make any other trades. Kamal Martin, the inside linebacker out of Minnesota, goes in round five at pick 30 there. So that was the first guy. John Runyon, John Runyon Jr., the son of John Runyon Sr., the pro bowler offensive lineman, Uh, he goes to the Green Bay Packers out of Michigan. He's a guard. Uh, He went in the sixth round. The Packers also had two other picks in the sixth round. They took more offensive linemen. They took center Jake Hansen out of Oregon and also Simon Simon Stepaniak, a guard out of Indiana. Then at round seven, Packers had two more picks. We just saw Vernon Scott, the defensive back, safety out of TCU. He goes to the Packers, and to finish things off, the Packers select an edge rusher out of the U in Miami, Jonathan Garvin, the final pick for them. So that was the full list. There is one thing that stands out in this draft class. They said this was the deepest wide-receiving class possibly ever. And we heard Brian Gutekunst earlier in the week stress the fact that it wouldn't take long for them to probably take a wide receiver. They did not draft a wide receiver. And a lot of people, including me, are a little disappointed by that. Might even be a little upset by that. And you may not trust that the receiving core that the Packers have right now is good enough. We will get into that. There's a lot to get into tonight. We're going to hear from Brett Favre. He spoke on TMZ the other night talking about this whole dynamic between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. We'll get to that. We'll talk more about the selections that were taken last night. Is A.J. Dillon going to get significant playing time? What about Josiah Degara? There's a huge competition at tight end. But first, let's get to know some of these other picks. I bring in Mike Clemens. Mike, I mean, let's just look at the general thing you you you've seen the 2020 gla- draft class. Is there anything in particular that just stands out?
4: Yeah, that Goody stuck to the board. I think right down to the seventh round, the best player available. <clears throat> usually, usually you that that first, second, and third round, the value is so high, the decision is so important that you 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 stick to the math. Like with the Jordan Love situation, they must have thought that this kid was a top 10, top 15 pick. And when they got to 20, when the Raiders took that defensive back that nobody thought was more than a second or third round player, then they thought, wow, we got a chance at this. And they traded up four spots to 26 to get this quarterback. Now it's not just to make Aaron Rodgers' life miserable. It's not just because he's 36 years old. Although these are all the factors you've got to think about, but, Um, You know, this is the best player available, and they they must have felt they needed some value in it. And I'll tell you what, you know, Brian Gutekind, it's his job to win football games, regardless who the quarterback is. It's not his job to win football games for Aaron Rodgers. It's to constantly put a winning team out there. And when a guy like Nick Foles steps in as backup quarterback, and Doug Peterson, a young, if you will, NFL coach is able to pull off a win against Bill Belichick with a backup quarterback, that says a lot. That says about the failures, perhaps, toward the end of the Mike McCarthy era to not have ever found a guy, you know, past Matt Flynn who could at least keep you into the games. You know, the Brett Hundley thing didn't work, Deshaun Kaiser, and on and on. So now, now, at the most important position, um, it's Brian Gutekinds who's made the statement and said, that's what we did, that's why we've got... Uh, what we think is going to be a quarterback of the future, AJ Dillon. We'll talk about him later in the show. Big, bruising running back, 247. And this Josiah DeGruer, I mean, he he's not only a a tight end, but maybe more of an H back guy. They might use him like the way that Tom Brady and and uh, Bill Belichick and his offensive coordinators have moved guys around. He comes out of Cincinnati, a school where Travis Kelsey, the probably the best in the business, the tight end, he played there. Now, of course, with the Chiefs and got a Super Bowl ring. So today, as you mentioned, they missed out in the fourth round because of that trade-up for Jordan Love. And at 175, on the board was the wide receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Joe, they went through, there was a dozen wide receivers last night, by the end of last night, that came off the board. And the Packers didn't get one of them. They took a running back, they took a tight end, and today, they started off with defense, finally, by taking this Kamal Martin kid out of Minnesota, and I think we had a chance to hear from his the scout, the Brandian Ross uh, guy, who scouts the Midwest for the Packers, right?
3: Yeah. So Brandian Ross uh, gave his take on what he sees on Kamal Martin out of Minnesota. What kind of player is he?
1: What Kamal? I think the first thing you notice is his toughness uh, and his versatility. He's a guy who played soundbacker, and then he moved inside his senior year. Um, I think he offers. His- a lot of versatility, some toughness, as he played through that knee injury at some point of the season late last year before he shut it down. But I think this his toughness and versatility stand out the most.
3: Yeah, I mean, a guy that can definitely shoot the gaps, he's got very good awareness. But the problem was, like you just heard there, Mike, he had knee surgery at the end of the season. And that, to me, is it's got to be a little bit of a red flag, isn't it?
4: Yeah, and we'll hear from the player a little bit on that story.
3: <clears throat> you know, one of the questions
4: you're going to have is, is this a guy that you think could be your inside black linebacker now that Blake Martinez signed the big deal with the Giants? And I think uh, the scout from the Packers, Ross, talked about that.
3: Yeah, this was what Brandy and Ross had to say about Kamal Martin playing through that knee issue last season. He was playing
4: through
1: something all year for the most part. Um, I think it was, it was just... Two or three game stretch where he did look healthier, but it wasn't by much. He was still battling through some things, uh, but it was it was hard to tell just on tape what games he was really healthy and which ones he wasn't.
3: So we so we hear from Kamal Martin because of course he addressed uh, the Packers media, and he was asked how did the knee injury happen last season.
5: Um, So I pretty much. Hurt my knee in the middle of the season and, and uh, again at the end of the season and just went in and had surgery to get it fixed up. But everything's, you know, looking great. Um, you know, gotten amazing reports on it. And and I'm going to be I'm pretty much 100%. So it's, it's going to be good.
3: Yeah, and he talked more about how he's feeling after that surgery.
5: Uh, yeah, the knee the knee's feeling really good. Um, you know, just coming back and rehabbing and, you know, way ahead of where I'm supposed to be. And, um, you know, I'm going to be completely fine, 100% fine. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to be a big deal at all.
4: There's a kid from Burnsville, Minnesota, you know, from the Twin Cities area. And uh, he gets to live out the dream that, you know, he's playing for the Minnesota Gophers. uh, And to showcase his talents, not only at at linebacker, but uh, also on special teams as well
3: yeah, it was something that I read in our lad Scouting. and it's, you know, one of our many sources that we like to use to learn more about these prospects. And that was something that was cited in there at the end is that, you know, they're not really expecting him to be this dominant inside or outside linebacker or however they use him on defense. They think he's going to be more of a special teams expert. And I think right now, when we're talking about the inside linebacker position, Mike, you know, you get Christian Kirksey. You lose Blake Martinez. Can this guy fill the void in his rookie season? And if everything's drawn to special teams, now all of a sudden it feels like you still have a hole at that position.
4: Yeah. So this is a kid we're talking about that Kamal Martin, the linebacker out of Minnesota, they took in the fifth round, 175th pick overall. And one scout said he looks the part of a modern day NFL player of versatility and also because of his high cut frame. He lacks at Now, see, we don't have a forty time in this guy because why? As you mentioned, he had the knee surgery yep. in the offseason. season, you know. But he he lacks what they say athletically and in, is a liability in coverage. There's some guys that knocked him on his coverage, you know, picking up tight ends or running backs out of the backfield. I don't know what your memories are, but that game against the the Gophers uh, against Minnesota, they do say that he is a good hitter, that he's a you know tenacious hitter if kept between the tackles, which means the scouts think that this
3: guy could play at inside linebacker so kamal martin who was with the packers media earlier today was asked what are your biggest strengths
5: yeah so i, I mean i would consider my biggest strengths as uh you know being able to combine my athletic ability with you know how well i know the defensive side of the game um you know just being able to use my length and my range and speed and chunking down ball carriers and you know just being prepared when it comes to, you know, Sunday. So I, I feel like that's going to be, you know, where I succeed the most.
3: Yeah, and the other thing, too, to keep in mind from Brandy and Ross, he was asked about Kamal Martin, again, the Packers scout that's been looking at this kid for a while. He was asked, is Kamal Martin more of a run-stopper, or is he better in pass coverage? He
1: can do a little bit of everything. Um, I have no issues with him in the run-no-pass game. Um, in his 40, he's high four, five, low four, six guy.
3: So the thing is now, Mike, I mean, Kamal Martin's going to come in, whether he's healthy or not with this knee issue. Can he be a starter right out of the gate? Or, I mean, he's going to have competition at inside linebacker. I mean, you have a guy like Ty Summers. We don't really know if he's just going to be strictly special teams or if he's going to have an opportunity to try to fight for that starting job. But, I mean, how do you look at Kamal Martin now as we kind of get into mini camps and OTAs. That's if we even have mini camps and OTAs in May and maybe in June. Well, and
4: here's the other thing, too, is that there's a kid that probably couldn't have participated in those things, probably still rehabbing that knee, wouldn't know until training camp. Um, I'll probably say this a couple times during the show. It was an interesting question. There was such (laughs) head-scratching. After the end of uh, rounds two and three last night, the one guy asked Brian Gutekindst, or do you think that the twenty twenty seasons canceled so that you can just sort of kick back and take whatever you want? and you don't have to worry about football till twenty twenty one and Goody said, yeah, no, no, We're preparing for for this year. You know, he has to take that question all the time. It's like he's it's his job to try and win a Super Bowl this year. Try and put the best players you can. You mentioned Ty Summers. That's a guy that we didn't talk about a lot after the vacancy left by Blake Martinez. Uh, who started out very good in camp, kind of fell back, was inactive for some games. But you know, he did. He was one of the leaders on special teams. I was just looking at some of his postseason numbers. He got some play in there. Uh, but you know, the guy that I think that Goodenks is looking for for a third year is Oren Burks. Definitely. And I, mean, I mean, this is they invested a third round pick in him a couple of years ago. A weird shoulder injury during warmups in his rookie year. Then last year. Um, he's trying to stop that uh, Texans quarterback in the preseason game and literally ripped his arm off for, you know, he was out a couple months with that. They looked at Oren Brooks has got to be the guy. They thought that he made progress running down the field on special teams and hitting people, and so they're looking for that. And don't forget, don't forget, you can get, you can get running backs, you can get linebackers off the street after other teams that are deep at that position make their final cuts like the old ryan grant story way back when when the giants had were so deep at running back and right after labor day ted picked him up because he was the fourth one there on a on a on an easy trade with the giants they got some value for him but he turned out to be one of the best pack of running backs in the last 15 years uh last year uh, it was this B.J. Goodson, who they happened to pick up from the Giants as well, who filled in. But, you know, he ended up signing with another team after the season. He was an okay player. Um, you know, Brian Gudekinst is more active now at picking up these guys off the street. Like Brashad Breeland at defensive back, who, oh, by the way, when he signed for bigger money for the Chiefs, now he's got himself a Super Bowl ring. Goodkinst is more uh, depending on guys he can pick up like that with five years experience from team, some team that's heavy at that position than Ted was. Ted got to be more and more just draft only and not it up free agents. And I think that's what the personnel department feels
3: better about now that
4: they will use their pro personnel board moving forward.
3: He is Mike Clemens, our Green Bay football reporter. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. It's the Green Eagle Draft Show recap show here on The Fan, and it's brought to you by some great sponsors who are part of it. Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling, great customer service, family style on the web at brothersconsolidated.com. Also brought to you by Schulze Family Beef, high quality pasture raised beef from their Wisconsin family farm to your family's table on the web at Beef.com. You guys can get in on this at 414-799-1250. You have a lot to say and a lot to uh, consider when you look at this Packers draft class. Believe me, I mean we have just ample content here for the next couple of hours. We're going to get to know John Runyon, the guard out of Michigan coming up next. And believe me, we will talk more about this whole controversy between Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. How's it going to work? How's it going to play out? Brett Favre spoke out about it. You're going to hear from that coming up a little bit later in the show as well. We have more coming up next right here on The Fan.
2: You're listening to The Fan's Green and Gold Draft Recap Show, presented by Q Club of Wisconsin and Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship with Joe Zanzola and Green Bay Football Insider
3: Mike Clemens. We continue on here. Thanks for listening on the fan. As We look back at the Packers 2020 draft class. Really, everything worked out pretty well. I mean, we were all worried about technical issues with everyone working remotely across the league, all the coaches, all the scouts, the GMs, Roger Goodell himself, and really no issues at all. It was really good to see. Outside of Roger Goodell slipping up a couple of times reading things, uh, it was a Great success, uh, all things considered, and it just felt good to have something to talk about in the sports world as legitimate as the NFL draft. That was really good. So that well, Joe, and I'll tell you, um,
4: Roger Goodell said this afternoon in an interview with Trey Wingo. I mean, we we've all learned something here. We that there's a lot of this we can do, and and those of us that cover football, we're gone from our families a lot, particularly you know the personnel people and the coaches. And that maybe, you know, we need to take a second look at that. Maybe we can still watch film and make phone calls and do some of this stuff at home and still be, you know, available for more dinners and at least say hi to your kids and all that. the fact that technically we can pull a lot of this sort of thing off. And I think that's why there was a lot of curiosity from this, aside that there's not much else going on. Right. There aren't any games to watch. I think it was just so much more relatable. Did you see the picture of Bill Belichick in the kitchen with the Husky? Classic. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) yeah we got to find out where you know and what's you know the the variety of different places and our our boy jerry jones with the brisket from the yacht was that crazy or what so to look into these guys houses was pretty amazing
3: (laughs) earlier today they had a shot of jerry jones and mike mccarthy mccarthy was working out of his home office and then they showed jerry jones and it looked like the guy was in his underwear i I wouldn't doubt it (laughs) on his yacht in his underwear that's just classic Jerry Jones. He's Jerry Jones, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, Mike working hey, up in Green
4: Bay so they can be there with his kids and his family because, you know, it's not like he can be in those new offices at the at the star that you and I walked through last fall. So so the Packers get a kid that comes from football NFL football royalty. His old man, John Runyon, six seven, three hundred and thirty pounds, played all those years for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I remember asking you know, Green Bay Packer defensive lineman about, oh, you know, how are you going to deal with this guy? And John, John running was a, a nasty football player. And so they're fr- they're Michigan people. They're from uh, Michigan. And so his son grows up and gets to play for Michigan and uh, play guard. And now he's a Green Bay Packer.
3: Yeah. So John running, of course, you know, being in the shadow of his father, I mean, it, it's, it, it's hard for any kid of a very successful Professional player, whether it's in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, it don't matter. I mean, there, there's a lot there, but there's also a lot to learn. So, for John Runyon Jr., what was it like growing up and seeing his old man playing so well in the NFL?
6: It's been awesome uh, growing up with a father who played professionally, um, and he played for a long time. I was done playing when I was in seventh grade, so. Going in the locker room, i got to be around guys, like Hall of Famers, like Brian Dawkins, uh, Brian Westbrook, Donovan McNabb, Terrell Owens, uh, you know, just those uh, guys that really changed the Eagles franchise and becoming what it is now, and uh, just idolizing them and seeing how much work that they put in, kind of the viewpoint that I got, and uh, being around them and, you know, looking up to them and my father and one day wanting to be them, and, you now, that helped add a little bit of motivation and drive and passion to what I was doing. And uh, growing up with my father in the NFL has been a blessing. And I know that um, he's looking down, uh, he's looking at me right now, and he's happy. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're all just really excited. Can't wait to get out the Green Bay.
3: His dad also had uh, a reputation for being a pretty nasty player. So running was asked about that. You know, has that rubbed off in any way on you?
6: Yeah. Um, I remember one time in eighth grade, uh, my dad caught me like patting some defensive player on the back after he made a good hit, and he gave me a stern talking to after that game and told me to never do that again. And uh, (laughs) they kind of changed my whole perspective on uh, how to play the game. Especially, I didn't play offensive line at that time, but he kind of carried and molded an offensive line mindset into me. And. the game was kind of different back then. You can get away with a lot more stuff now, and he's—he's he's even the guy that's taken that out of the game uh being the vice president of the Rules and Policy Administration of the NFL, and um, can't really do that stuff anymore. But uh, you try to get away with as much as you can, and uh, that's what I'm going to try to do, and just kind of be that nasty guy on the field that gets in everybody's heads.
3: The other thing that I thought—yeah, well, so- this this kid is this kid has
4: also been. I mean, you talk about the spotlight. Not only does his dad play for the rough and tough Philadelphia Eagles in a rough market like that, they were living in New Jersey. And then post-football, for a couple of years there, his dad, John Runyon Sr., was a U.S. representative in Congress for a couple of terms there for the Republicans. Now, the question is, this kid at 6'4", Joe, 306 pounds, uh, arm length 33 and 30 inches, this sounds more like they would be looking at him as a guard. I don't think that this is a a right tackle candidate for the blogger spot, or to compete with Rick Wagner. But he talked about some of that today too, didn't he?
6: Yes, he did. I talked to him a little bit about playing guard and tackle, but I'm really up for whatever. It doesn't matter.
4: Uh, like I say like
6: my whole career, I just always been about getting on the field and just doing what's best for the team. Uh, I'm comfortable at any position they throw me at. Um, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get in the playbook and then, uh, get on the field. And, uh, be a good teammate, so uh, it doesn't matter where they put me. Uh, I'll do my best, and uh, they'll get 100% out of me.
3: John Runyon Jr., drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the sixth round, and the Packers, uh, of course, drafted three offensive linemen all in the sixth round. We'll get to the other two in just a second, but I, I think, Mike, you know, looking at these picks here and starting with John Runyon Jr., I think this was a pretty quality pick here, and I, I think John Runyon could be a guy that can actually help the Packers in the immediate future, um, especially with you know this whole possibility that this Packer offensive line might be changing in the next couple of years because there's certain contracts coming up. Corey Lindsley's one guy to be thinking about. David Bakhtiari's another guy to be thinking about. So there might be an opportunity for John Running to maybe get a chance.
4: Here's another thing that intrigued the Packers about John Runyon, Joe, and that is Jim Harbaugh came in with his um... – standard pro style offense but he changed that with a different offensive coordinator he brought in a couple of years ago to to go to more of an outside zone scheme and that seeing that on tape I think intrigued Matt LaFleur that that this young John Runyon kid could do the same thing for more for speed getting outside I think he ran like a five flat 40 but that's one of the things I think that intrigued him and that he was still on the board for them in the sixth round today
3: all right, so John Runyon Jr. goes to the Packers in the sixth round. Then the Packers had back to back picks at 208 and 209. And uh, I was kind of hoping they would take a receiver at that point because nothing was done. Instead. But no! But no, let's <laughs> add on to it with more offensive linemen. So the next pick at 208 was Jake Hansen, the center out of Oregon. And the one thing about Oregon seeing them up close and personal at the Rose Bowl. They had one of the best offensive lines in the country last season. A lot of good, talented yeah. players. And Jake Hansen, coming from that group, he talks about his experience at the Rose Bowl and uh, really what it meant for him.
7: We wanted to win a conference championship and we wanted to we wanted to win that Rose Bowl. Um, and so after working so hard last offseason and then achieving our goals this season to see my teammates um, you know, be drafted and you know have a lot of success. The last couple of days, I mean, it's the, it's the greatest feeling in the world, and I couldn't be happier for all those guys.
3: Mike, this might be the successor to Corey Lindsley, and I mean, again, Lindsley is one of those guys that's going to be up for a contract extension coming up. Here, um, to me, I feel like this was the successor. The Packers are not going to be able to pay everyone coming up. Hansen might be the guy, but he's got some issues.
4: Yeah, it's got some issues. And The other thing, it seems like he's pretty much just a center. He's he's not been as versatile. He's you know Justin Herbert is his quarterback. Of course, went high out of Oregon and picked up by the Chargers. Man, I liked what the Chargers did to get started with getting that kid from Oregon as their quarterback, and then Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma at linebacker. Those are pretty, two pretty good uh, solid picks. Um, this guy, though, I, I in just in talking to him this afternoon. Joe, he he does seem like he's NFL-ready when it comes, you know, mentally prepared for whatever the Packers are going to throw at him.
3: Yeah, definitely. He was not. He said this just a couple of hours ago to the Packers media. He was not expecting the green and gold to draft him.
7: Not a lot of contact, no. Um, the Packers were not a team that I was uh, expecting to draft me. So when I got that call from, you know, uh, Wisconsin area code, I was I was very shocked. So Didn't know where I was going to go. Um, but now that I'm picked, I'm just, you know, happy to, Uh, you know, be part of this
1: organization now.
3: Yeah, protection has been a little bit of an issue with Jake Hansen. Also, sometimes snapping the football has been a little bit of an issue for Jake Hansen. He's still trying to get acclimated to that. And, of course, he's going to be able to learn a lot from a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers when he gets those reps in practice and whatnot. Um, But Jake Hansen goes to the Packers in the sixth round at 208. And then 209, they take another Another offensive lineman, and this one is also another guard. He can play a little bit of tackle, but they feel that he can actually um, be a guard also, and that's Simon Stepaniak. And he talked about, you know, playing at Indiana and now being drafted to the NFL.
7: Just my uh, my game's definitely developed over the years um, with my uh, intensity of playing, uh, my aggressiveness, definitely in run play, and getting after pass winsful. And that's definitely a huge part of what I take pride in my game. Um, just by the time it was my final season last year, um, there wasn't there wasn't plays where I wasn't taking off or anything like just getting after the guys, the guy crossing me as much as I can and just trying to try to make his day not a good day, you know what I'm saying. Um, just really playing with relentless effort and just getting after the guys nonstop. 6'4", yes.
3: 313 pounds, Mike. yeah.
4: And one of the things I asked him about, because, you know, again, we're looking for versatility. Basically, you're trying to find out what the Packers' plans are for this kid, and they don't know it. As, you, you know, as the last player you said, he wasn't even sure that he'd had any contact with the Packers. But you ask him about, you know, he was, he was pretty much at guard or with Indiana. Does he see his role changing if he gets to Green Bay?
7: Yeah, uh, I mean, just playing guard, that's just where I've been plugged in at IU all throughout my career. Uh, I was playing center for a good amount of time. Uh, my sophomore year, I'm um, leading up to, up to the season, but I got switched to guard right before the first game. Um, but, yeah, just continuing to play guard in the league. Uh, I'll be able to play any of three and spots, but uh, I'm focused on just getting as good as I can, improving my game and learning the new playbook and just getting everything I can for the guys on the team and um, doing my part in helping the team out.
4: You know, Joe, the Packers feel pretty good about Lucas Patrick as their backup guard, and also their backup center, because Linsley had those back problems from time to time and missed some snaps in games last year. But you can't have enough of those big guys, and it was a little amazing that. Uh, but you know, again, Goodekins was talking to us about this last week. You're going through the draft, and all of a sudden, you, you you hit these veins. You know, just like a like a gold mine guy or, or looking for oil, you hit these pockets where there's five or six guys at a position. And I think this must have been how they felt about offensive line, where the value matches up with these eh, C-plus grades that these players got while they played in college, and you just start picking them off and picking them off because... You get them all you can. The value matches the math in your evaluations, and therefore the board says you've got to take these players.
3: Well, there was one thing, too, as I was going along, because, again, everyone's got their own draft board. Everyone has their own rankings and projections as to where these guys are going to go. And you could look at the two guys that were taken last night, A.J. Dillon, and then, of course, Josiah uh, uh, Degura, those guys, if you look at Arled Scouting, for example, projected those guys to be taken with Dylan in the third, maybe fourth round, and then Degara later in the sixth or seventh round. These three offensive linemen that were taken were actually projected to go much later in the draft, and the Packers actually seemed to get some good quality in where they took them, so it kind of cancels out in a way. Um, but that is really interesting. There was one other thing, too, Mike, about Stepaniak. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it with Kamal Martin. He had a niche, knee issue. Stefaniak also had a knee issue. And he talks about that and how that limited him at the Combine.
7: I'm um, going into it uh, since I was only a couple weeks off of surgery at that point. I was not really sure where, where I was at because I wasn't able to do much testing for it, uh, leading up to it and training for it. Um, so I was really pleased with the number I got, obviously, but uh, it's, it's I've gotten better than that before, but I'm, I'm happy with what I got and uh, definitely left the
4: mark on the Combine. So so there you go. That's Simon, Simon Stefaniak, yeah, from Indiana, the guard. So even though Joe, he's coming back from a, a knee job um, and was limited in the drills he could do at Combine, he still managed to bench 225 pounds 37 times, second best at this year's Combine.
3: Yeah, not 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 too shabby at all. He's Mike Clemens, our Green Bay football reporter. I'm ready to go, Joe Zanzola. It is the Green and Gold Draft recap show here on The Fan, and it's, of course, brought to you by many of our great sponsors who are a part of this. Q Club of Wisconsin serving their full lunch and dinner menu, plus Sunday breakfast for curbside takeout. Yeah, you can do that tomorrow. Even premixed cocktails to go. Visit them on Facebook. Q Club of Wisconsin, Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Also brought to you by Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin. Apprenticeship, ABC Apprenticeship, and the hundreds of employers offering careers in construction like plumbing, electrical, HVAC, and heavy equipment operating. Go to abcwi.org. We will have more coming up next. We'll get to know a couple of the prospects that were taken in the seventh round. And then... I want to hear what Brett Favre has to say about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and how that dynamic is going to work out because history is repeating itself. We'll have more coming up next right here on 105.7 FM, The Fan.
2: You're listening to The Fan's Green and Gold Draft Recap Show, presented by Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling and Schultz Family Beef with Joe Zenzola and Green Bay Football Insider Mike Clemens.
3: Welcome back. Packers have their 2020 draft class finalized. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola, alongside Green Bay football reporter Mike Clemens. We'll be on until 8 o'clock tonight. Also taking your calls at 414-799-1250. Believe me, if you want to just vent and let loose on a Saturday because you did not see the Packers take a wide receiver at all in what was considered the deepest class in NFL history, um, yes, we will love to hear from you because we will talk about that coming up. Brett Favre also had some things to say about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. That is coming up. Uh, again, the Packers finished their selections today. Most of, The majority of their selections came in the 5th, 6th, and 7th round and just kind of resetting who they took today. They took inside linebacker Kamal Martin out of Minnesota. They also took three offensive linemen in the 6th round. John Runyon, the guard out of Michigan. Jake Hansen, the center out of Oregon. And Simon Stepaniak the guard out of Indiana. We heard from all of those guys also in the seventh round, they went back to defense and really they only drafted three defensive players total in this draft, Vernon Scott, the defensive back out of TCU and then Jonathan Garvin, the edge rusher out of Miami. And uh, that was a guy that was actually projected to go maybe in the fourth or fifth round. So that could have been a good value pick uh, for the green Bay Packers there. We'll talk more about those prospects coming up, uh, but Mike, Last night, I want to get your thoughts on the two offensive players they took. Now, again, there was a lot of talk going into the draft as to whether or not the Packers were going to address running back. I think they were. I just didn't think they would go as early as they did with A.J. Dillon out of Boston College.
4: No, and he's also a guy that wasn't on other people's radar screens. I mean, you know, Brian Gudikins was asked, gee, this A.J. Dillon kid out of Boston College um, you know, to us, we thought was maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. And here you're taking him in the second round on the top on uh, on Friday night. And, you know, Goody said, well, I disagree. We had him rated highly. We had a scout that it was on him uh, since his freshman year. I got to talk to the kid about uh, this tremendous game that he had up against Louisville when Lamar Jackson was there. Scoring four touchdowns, he's Joey's two hundred and forty-seven pounds,
3: and it's all muscle. I
4: mean, yeah, and and outside of maybe William Henderson, who is a fullback, this is the biggest back. This is a different style back that the Packers haven't had. I mean, I even talked to Goody about that from a standpoint of, you know, geez, when I think of Dorsey or Amon Green or Ryan Grant, I mean, I guess since Eddie Lacey, This is the biggest back that they've had. And I think it kind of goes to a thinking of, well, you know, this is something Matt LaFleur wants. This is something. Think of the teams when LaFleur was with the Falcons and Kyle Shanahan and they went to the Super Bowl. They were four deep at running back. Think about this team that Kyle Shanahan just took to the Super Bowl. They were four deep at running back. Think about that Tom Coughlin team that beat you in 2007. With Eli Manning and Brandon Jacobs in that depth, they had four deep at running back uh, when they went and upset the Patriots in the Super Bowl 42. that 18-0 and Patriots team, because they could grind it out and run the ball. And here's the thing. You know, to me, me and Gary Ellerson were saying, let's not forget about defensive line and getting Kenny Clark some help. the Tyler Lancaster, nice kid, but, you know. And Dean Lowry's okay. Uh, you know, it was good that you signed him. It was good that you moved on from Mike Daniels. Uh, he ended up being a bust last year for the Lions. But, you know, there's the other saying, too, is that the best defense is when they're off the field. And if you can do a better job of running the football, particularly in November and December and those kinds of things. So this is probably something that Lafleur is asking Good against about, too, is, like, Man, if we can really take that run game to the next level. I think it also says, it brings into question about Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame, which was, I think, a third-round pick. He was inactive most of last year. Didn't seem to pick up the playbook. And even when they get um, Tyler Irvin off the street as a returner, and then Lafleur starts trusting him with running back packages in December on a team now that's clearly got a shot at the postseason – uh, for Dexter Williams to still be sitting on the bench and not participating, not being trusted to carry the football in December, that doesn't say a lot about you know his rookie season, and he's really going to have to compete. Now that they bring in this
3: kid from Boston College, AJ Dillon. Well, unfortunately, Dexter Williams wasn't a third round pick, he was a sixth round pick. So oh, pick. So, so it it is good that he was not a third round pick because clearly, right now, AJ Dillon is going to surpass him on the depth chart, and that's going to put more pressure on Dexter Williams just trying to make the team. So Brian Gudikins was asked last night, you know, you take AJ Dillon, you also take tight end Josiah Degara, who could play the H back position. With Matt Lafleur, is this all about beefing up the run game?
8: All right. Well, yeah. I think Matt certainly wants to run the ball. Um, uh, he's kind of talked to you guys repeatedly how much he'd like to run the ball and and have the pass game, the play pass, kind of off of that. And uh, you know, I think um, uh, you know as we went through, we wanted to have some versatile pieces you could do. It. And obviously, AJ is a a big losing back with really, very, very good speed. Um, you know, and I think uh, you know in our offense, there's probably a little bit more room for his creativity that. And what he did at Boston College, and then and a lot more in the passing game. I think that was as we went through the process in the spring. You know, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield for a man his size was something that, uh, again, he didn't do a lot of that at Boston College, but that was something that really attracted to us. And then Josiah, just like, again, the versatility as not only as a lead blocker, um, but his ability uh, to create you know mismatches in the in the passing game. Um, again, it just you know, Matt really wants to tie everything to the run game or off the run game, and uh, these
3: guys will help us do that. I, I think one of the bigger things, one of the bigger picture things when it comes to the emphasis on the running game and the fact that you know we saw this from Lafleur last year, he's gone completely away from Mike McCarthy and just thrown the ball everywhere. You're taking some of that away from Aaron Rodgers. You're taking some of that pressure away from him. Now with these additions, it, it almost feels like you're taking even more pressure away from Aaron Rodgers because you're going to pound the football on the ground the only issue I have, Mike, is if you put too much emphasis on the running game. I mean, is Aaron Rodgers going to be good with that? Uh, you know,
4: they just took a quarterback the other night, and it's kind of like um, we're going to run Matt Lafleur's offense now. We're not going to run that uh, Matt Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McCarthy mashup that we ran in 2019. Yeah, right. it did okay. We we got to 13 and three. But you're, they want this thing to look more like what you saw the Forty ers run against you, for good reason. Yeah. And 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 not that you know that confusion thing. And I'll tell you what Brian Gutekunst said this before he took a quarterback. He said this a couple times in January, and February. He says, I'm confident that to have that kind of success with a first year, first time NFL coach, that even Aaron Rodgers will be more comfortable in the in this offense. These guys will communicate better, and uh, that you know that the offense will grow in their second year together.
3: Uh, You had mentioned earlier that you had a chance to talk with A.J. Dillon about uh, his big game against Louisville. So this was A.J. Dillon talking about that last night to Mike Clements,
9: And that was just one of those games, you know, I kind of strapped up my chin strap and said, you know what, like I'm going to figure out any way I can possibly go ahead and uh, help my team win. And so I think I had like 39 carries or something. You know, I had that uh, the big – Kind of like my highlight signature run, four touchdowns, I believe, and almost 300 yards. And you know, it was definitely a day I won't forget. But um, you know, it was just one of those instances where you know you had to get the job done, and uh, my number was called, so I wasn't gonna let my team down.
4: Yeah, Joe, I know people are yelling and screaming, running back, running back. You got you got Aaron Jones, you got Jamal Williams. Why you know? But I will tell you what, if if this guy turns out to be a weapon by September or October, I mean, just like I say, forget about it. If this guy can help you. And you can save Aaron Jones. And then particularly, and you know, if something happens to Jamal Williams, remember he got knocked out in one of those games on the road last year. That um, This is a, a great safety net where this guy can pound the rock at 247 pounds, uh, likes to run between the tackles. That's the only concern is like a lot of these Badger running backs over the year, including Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, these guys, he's, he's coming out as a junior, but he's had over 800 carries in three years. Has he already, you know, been banged up a lot uh, taking those kinds of hits? But, you know, they'll figure out a way to, to utilize this guy. Also, he's also a candidate to help out in special teams as well.
3: I just can't get over the size of this dude. I And, Mike, I don't know if there's a running back – that you've seen that's maybe comparable to AJ Dillon, just in how he looks and in his bulk. But he just reminds me of someone like when you go into the Madden video game and you're creating your own player and you just decide to boost the muscles and make them as big as you can on the player. That's what this guy looks like. And, again, like, people are making the comparisons to Eddie Lacy, but Eddie Lacy was not in the same shape as what you're seeing in A.J. Dillon. I I just, this is a very unique running back that the Packers have. You know, the one thing that he doesn't do much of, and I saw a little bit in his highlight package at Boston College, he does have the ability to catch the ball as as a pass catcher in screens. I just don't know how much they're really going to rely upon that with him at the next level in this Packers offense.
4: Well, that's where he put it over the top for the Packers. Gudekinst had not seen him in person playing in a game in Boston College. Did see him, though, during the running backs works out when we were at the Combine in Indianapolis, and he was really impressed. I mean, he really checked off the box about his ability to, to catch the ball. He caught every ball thrown his way during that those drills with the running backs. Here's the other story. You talk about if we can describe this guy to our folks listening tonight Did you get a chance to see the Titans upset the Ravens in the playoffs? How did they do that? Well, they came up with a great defensive scheme against Lamar Jackson, but even more so, they controlled the football with Derrick Henry. Where was Matt LaFleur before he came to Green Bay? The offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And he knows what that kind of a weapon to have, a big dude who runs like Derrick Henry can be. And now maybe
3: they've got a prototype in that, with this a.j dillon out of boston college this is brian Gudekins talking about that comparison to derrick henry
8: yeah i don't think we i don't think we really looked at those guys as similar um i know they're both big backs um, but i think they have different running styles uh, certainly different skill sets uh derrick is, is obviously a fantastic back one of the better backs in the league um and um but i think AJ's got a different, little bit different of skill set than, than he does and uh um, but we didn't, I don't think we, either, either one of us looked at, at AJ in that kind of mold.
3: I don't know if I'm buying that. He he he, <laughs> he does kind of remind me of Derrick Henry. He does, because it, it's in the scouting report, Joe. <laughs> well, I don't know. I Look, I, it's like the treasures of the kingdom. I don't know how much Brian Gudekins is really going to give you the same way Ted Thompson was. Uh, when it comes to giving little inside things about it, um, I, I just I, I find that pretty funny. We'll hear more uh, from A.J. Dillon and what it's like to play with Aaron Jones coming up. We'll also get more into uh, Josiah Degara, the tight end, uh, who can also play in an, in, in an H-back role, and that's going to be really interesting to see. And uh, we also want to hear from you guys, 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250, your thoughts on this draft. Steven Greenfield, we're going to hear from him coming up because he thinks maybe the Packers should have done more in the defensive line. He's Mike Clemens. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. It is the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show here on The Fan, and we want to thank all of our sponsors who are a part of our draft coverage from Thursday, Friday, and now today abc audio video home entertainment simply done right on the web at abcaudiovideo.com and also west bend sausage plus owners ben and andy they are for you the freshest homemade meats the finest quality steaks and a variety of brats and more westbendsausageplus.com we will have more draft coverage coming up next here on the fan
2: you're listening to the fans green and gold draft recap show presented by abc audio video and West Bend Sausage Plus with Joe Zanzola and Green Bay football insider Mike Clemens.
3: Welcome back. Still a lot to get to tonight, and you can call in at 414-799-1250. Believe me, if you go over to social media, you can tweet at us at 105.7 FM, The Fan. You can follow me at Radio Joe Sports. Follow Mike Clemens at Mike Clemens NFL. A lot of people not too happy with Brian Goodikens not taking a wide receiver. And believe me, um, you are welcome to call in and just let it loose. It's Saturday night. You might even have a beverage in you by now. Um, but believe me, I, I for, for me, I'm definitely not happy that the Packers did not take a wide receiver considering how deep this class was. But we'll get more into that coming up here after the top of the hour. Let's go to Steve in Greenfield. Steve, you're on the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show. What's going on?
10: Hey, gentlemen. You know, I agree with everything that's been said about the wide receivers, but what really bothers me the most is that I, I hate to say it, but I'm still not over that NFC title game. For me, that was the most embarrassing loss in franchise history because of what was at stake and how the defense just got emasculated. And I mean, There's nothing more emasculating as a football team, than having the football run right down your throat. It's just embarrassing. And the fact that they didn't address the defensive line is just uh, inexcusable.
4: Well, and I agree with you because you watched those two games against the 49ers, and my gosh, by the middle of the uh, first quarter in the NFC Championship game, this is just a repeat of how they beat you before. And we put so much emphasis on linebacker play, failing and chasing down those running backs. But it's like Gary has been saying, it's like, well, how about up front? And how about how about the 49ers and all of the stock that they put into building up their defensive line, which helped them get to the Super Bowl and have a great year with a young quarterback? How about what the Jaguars did a couple of years ago with their big defensive line? I mean, there's teams like the Giants. The Giants won their two Super Bowls when they had those NASCAR packages up front and could do that. And so after Kenny Clark... You know, you got a bunch of guys. Dean Lowry is okay, and they signed him and all that. Tyler Lancaster is an undrafted player. You got out of Northwestern. They do think, and you know, Gudekins has talked about this with the Kinsley Kiki that they picked him up in the fifth round. They expect him to pick it up. Montrevious Adams better pick it up. He's a third-round pick from 2017. That's the disappointing right there, Steve, is that Montrevious Adams did not step it up last year.
10: That That's true. C- can I just say something about Rashawn Gary real quick? You know, you think they would have learned their lesson with Nick Perry, but here we go again, you know, uh, switching alignment to linebacker. If, if Rashawn Gary was allowed to play with his hand in the dirt next to Kenny Clark, he could be a hell of a run defender. I, I can, I'm convinced of that.
4: But here again,
10: they try to make him into a linebacker. That's not his position.
4: Yeah, you know, I... When we talk about inside linebacker, remember one of the things that did work for the Packers by late November and early December is when they took Zedaria Smith and they had that package that lined him up over center. And that really seemed to disrupt centers and pass protections or blocking assignments from opposing offensive lines. Maybe that's what Mike Patton has got up his sleeve with the vacancy left behind by Blake Martinez, that they can put him in more, which means that they would count on... Rashawn Gary more at outside linebacker, but even talking to this John Runyon kid who played with him in Michigan, he brought him up. He just said, We were asking him about some of the best players. He said, Yeah, my teammate, Rashawn Gary, this guy's an athletic freak. So everybody's talked about this guy, about his athleticism. Uh, even Matt LaFleur, who was out in New Jersey scouting quarterbacks. And they had to bring their team in inside at this high school because it was raining outside, so they were doing some basketball stunts. And he turned around and said, well, who's that kid? Is that one of your basketball players? No, that's one of our defensive linemen. And and it was Rashawn Gary, a 17-year-old kid playing basketball. They couldn't believe what a freak he was around the basketball hoop. So let's hope that Lafleur or Patton or whatever. I, I think Lafleur thought that Patton was too conservative with Rashawn Gary last year. He seemed to, uh, to suggest that in his end of season press conference, but yeah, Rashawn Gary, a first round pick. He's, he sh- should have more assignments on his plate in 2020.
3: Four, four, one, four, seven, nine, nine, 1250 is the phone number. He's Mike Clemens. I'm radio Joe Zanzola. It's the green draft recap show here on the fan. Again, the Packers in this 2020 draft class today they only took a total of three defensive players. They took an inside linebacker, Kamal Martin, out of Minnesota. And then in the seventh round, they took defensive back Vernon Scott out of TCU. And then Jonathan Garvin, the edge rusher, out of the U in Miami. So that's it. Nothing else on the defensive line which puts more pressure on guys like a Montravius Adams, like a Dean Lowry. like Well, I mean, Dean Lowry's under contract now for a while, so he's not going anywhere. But Tyler Lancaster, there's a lot of guys to look at and... Really, I'm I'm with a lot of you. I'm not really feeling good about the defensive line as of right now. That was not addressed. Now, Mike, you had a chance, because um, we're going to get, we got all of a sudden we have full phone lines. Um, you had a chance to catch up with A.J. Dillon, because I wanted to finish this up on A.J. Dillon. Um, you had a chance to catch up with him uh, late last night as well, right?
4: Yeah, just talking to him about this uh, standout game he got ahead against the Louisville while he was playing... Um, at uh, Boston College and, and carrying the rock and, you know, became a, a national figure.
9: As my career uh, progressed, I started to play more and more third down. Uh, as the case just with most uh, running backs in uh, college football, uh, the, the pass protection game is one of the harder things to learn. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, I, I definitely see myself as somebody who can protect the quarterback and understand defensive schemes in a way that will allow the, the pass game to work. Uh, as far as my catching, it wasn't a lack of ability by any means at BC, and more so lack of opportunity. Uh, we just that wasn't our offense really to throw the ball to the running backs. It was more so uh, a run heavy run style. And uh, but when I did have those opportunities, I made the most of them. And uh, at the combine, uh, I ran every route, caught every ball. So you know, it's definitely something I can do. I'm looking forward to you know just always uh, growing my game and just getting better uh, day to day, week to week. Aj. Tell us about this game against
11: Louisville. I think Lamar Jackson was still there. Did, is that one of those days where you feel like,
8: I
4: belong here? And how many touchdowns did you have in that game?
9: Yeah, that was uh, that was like my breakout game. At uh, that point, I hadn't had a start. I got my first start that next week, week seven. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those games where, you know, the team, the team, well, we were, we were battling back and forth. You're going against Heisman. He won the husband right before the husband winner uh ACC player of the year in Lamar Jackson so it's obviously an year away and that was just one of those games you know I kind of strapped up my chin strap and said you know what like I'm gonna figure out any way I can possibly uh, go ahead and put this uh, help my team win and so I think I had like 39 carries or something uh you know I had that uh the big kind of like my highlight signature run uh four touchdowns I believe and almost 300 yards and you know, it was definitely a day I won't forget. You know, it was just one of those instances where, you know, you had to get the job done, and uh, my number was called, so I wasn't going to let my team down.
3: Yeah, there he is, A.J. Dillon, the new Packers running back, drafted in the second round last night. Packers might have reached for him, but Brian Gutekunst saying that he was the best player available on their board at the time. We open it up to you at 414-799-1250. You're welcome to chime in on the 2020 Packers draft class. What do you think? No wide receivers, no defensive linemen. They loaded up on offense, six offensive players. He's Mike Clemens. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. A lot more to get to another hour of the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show brought to you by Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling, Schulze Family Beef, Q Club of Wisconsin, Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship, ABC audio video and West Bend Sausage Plus. We got more short break. We'll be right back here on The Fan.
2: The Green Bay Packers select. How did Green Bay do in the 2020 NFL Draft? Let's find out on The Fan's Green and Gold Draft Recap Show. Presented by Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling, Schulze Family Beef, Q Club of Wisconsin, Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship, ABC Audio Video and West Bend Sausage Plus. Now, the hosts of tonight's show the executive producer of the Bill Michaels statewide network, Joe Zenzola, and the fans' Green Bay football insider, Mike Clemens.
3: Hour number two. Thanks for tuning in. That's right. We're live and local here on the fan. I am Radio Joe Zenzola alongside Green Bay football reporter, Mike Clemens, as we're breaking down the rest of the 2020 draft class for your Green Bay Packers. You can follow us on Twitter at 1057FMTheFan. You can also follow me at Radio Joe Sports and Mike Clemens, Mike ClemensNFL on Twitter. And be sure to like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash 1057FMTheFan. In the last hour, we got you more of an in-depth look at a lot of these new prospects. And again, just going through the draft class again for the Green Bay Packers. If you were living under a rock, uh, Jordan Love, of course, went As the first-round selection for the Packers at 26, they moved up four spots. They gave up their fourth-round pick to do it. Last night, they had two picks, one in round two, the other in round three. They took running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College and then the tight end Josiah Degara out of Cincinnati. Today... It was a little bit of a mix. They took Kamal Martin, the inside linebacker out of Minnesota, in round five. They had three picks in round six where they took all offensive linemen. John Runyon, the guard out of Michigan. Jake Hansen, the center out of Oregon. And Simon Stepaniak, guard out of Indiana. And then finally in the seventh round, they went back to defense. They took safety Vernon Scott out of TCU. And Jonathan Garvin, the edge rusher, out of the U. It was like when they say, the U. In Miami, So that is your draft class. Two things stand out. The first, no wide receivers. Considering how deep of a class this was, the Packers did absolutely nothing there. And we really don't know if that was the plan all along by Brian Goodikens, that he didn't really care about bringing on another wide receiver, or... Did the run of wide receivers, was it just a miscalculation on the Packers' part? I guess we'll try and find that out in the coming days from Goody. The other place they didn't address was defensive line. There's nothing there on the defensive line. We had a caller just talked about it. Uh, That is also disappointing from the Packers' standpoint. They did, they did bring in an undrafted wide receiver. They signed Michigan State wide receiver Daryl Stewart uh, just a few minutes ago. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is your... Only wide receiver to report as of now. They also had a few other undrafted players. We'll get to those a little bit later on. But we open it up to you at 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250 because, believe me, some of you are frustrated that the Packers did not take a wide out at all. I'm certainly frustrated. Jim in Chicago, you're next up on The Fan.
12: Hey, Joe, Mike, how are you guys? How are we doing tonight?
3: Great. Good, good pal.
12: Good, good. Yeah, now Mike, you and I have run into each other at the Combine for the past few years here.
4: Oh yeah, hi Jim.
12: Uh, yeah, how you doing, man? Good. Good, good. Well, here's the thing. I, I I've been through like the the raw emotion in the last 48 hours, and now I'm kind of tired, uh, <laughs> which has also given me a chance to just kind of just step back and say, all right, what's the real plan here? Now I think we can all agree, we didn't really do anything this year that's going to help us immediately. Um, I do think we're going to like this uh, the kid from Minnesota, the uh, the linebacker. I think he might be able to contribute uh, quicker than people might think. But you look a couple of years down the road, you know we got to sign Lindsay, we got to sign Bakhtiar, we got to sign uh, guys like Kevin King. There's there's uh, Aaron Jones, obviously. And I think that this is a move to maybe have to replace some of those players if we can't afford all of them. Because if I'm not mistaken, I know Mike, you can probably uh, confirm or correct me on this. Doesn't Aaron Rodgers' cap hit, at, like after this year, really balloon up to something yeah. in the neighborhood of thirty million dollars?
4: Thirty-four.
12: Which, yeah, which kind of limits our ability to sign a lot of these other people. So, well, yeah, I'm upset just as everybody else is that there's no nothing to help those here and now. You know, then you got to look at it and say, okay, yeah, we were thirteen and three last year, but how good were we really? We found ways to win. It was awesome. But when we when we went up against San Francisco, who's obviously a really good team, twice, we really got our butts handed to us. So, I mean, are we really as close as all of us Packer fans like to think that we are? I mean, obviously we'd love to think that. But the and reality got- of it is this draft is really intended to kind of sustain us for the next two to three, maybe four years.
4: I want to ask Jim one question. And, and, and the first two quarters against the Bears in that defensive line, Beat I mean, remember Lane Taylor just getting flat on his back, you know, and yep. how the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they played a chess match with those guys just to keep it low scoring to keep in the game and how they pulled that off Or another physical night against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me ask you this, Jim, because I know you, you know, I know you followed, followed the college game too as much as, as anybody does. See, the thing is, we're is we're all scratching our heads like, how come these guys in Green Bay, they never take players we've heard of? Where's the kid from Alabama? There was a fact today that the Packers are one of the few teams that hasn't taken anybody from LSU in, in forever. Um, and this is a team that is either winning the national championship or is up there. Why aren't they picking from that team or from Clemson and all that? And all the answers is, as I look at this, this draft I'm looking at here now, these nine players that pick up. Cincinnati and uh, Oregon, okay, that was a big team that went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, TCU, Miami only had – the Hurricanes only had a couple players. And the fact is this is a Ted Thompson, Brian Gudikins kind of a draft where, you know, you hear about, okay, we just took some guard from Central Florida. Well, since when was that a powerhouse? Well, they had a a running back named Kevin Smith that, you know, was rushing for 1,000 yards and looked pretty good. The Lions took him. And the Packers took his right guard, Josh Sitton. Or like I told the story to Bill yesterday, about the day that it was Ted's first draft. And first he takes Aaron Rodgers, who falls into his lap at 24. And But it's like, well, what are you taking a quarterback for when you got Brett Favre? And, and all the things that you need to help out Brett Favre. You just got rid of the two starting guards. And your secondary sucks. Why are you spending... Your first pick on a quarterback, and then the second pick is some kid from Bethune Cookman. And Dale Hoffman, the longtime columnist from the Journal Sentinel, turned around to me at the front row in the auditorium. He goes, "Mike, what the hell is Bethune Cookman? <laughs> 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 what did th- he was talking about? Nick Collins. So you see, the thing about Gutikinst and that scouting department is they're pretty. They've got some swagger. They don't." if you've seen these guys in a national game in Alabama. They look at these players as individuals and they score them as such. So they're trying to tell you hey, the rest of the world missed on A.J. Dillon. We think this guy was the 62nd best player in the national in this, coming into this draft in the NFL and that's just their attitude. They will They will defend the numbers on their board next to the fact that we see these other players that these other teams take and, and say to ourselves, you know, why can't we get a little bit of star power? Why can't we get Rodgers, at least one stinking receiver, out of this very talented, one of the best groups of receivers anyways, and why are we going to be reading about these guys? And, you know, we're, st- we're stuck with MVS, you know, out of Florida.
12: Yeah, I, I you know, those things, I, I agree, those things are frustrating, but you just kind of summarized a couple of things there. They seem to find guys that no one's heard of, but they end up being pretty big contributors. So, I mean, it's hard because do we trust these guys? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if Rashawn Dury busts out and has an awesome year, then we can say, hey, yeah, that was a heck of a pick. Um, but, like, this year, we're still kind of scratching our heads on that one right now. Um, I guess the only – I guess I'll, I'll end with this. The last thing is we're now – this is, you know, Rogers is coming full circle. He's got to remember what it was like when he started and that whole thing with Barb and him. I hope to God that Rogers – learn from that and recognizes kind of the reality of the situation and does what he can to help this kid along.
3: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And Jim, thanks for the call. It, we would like to think, especially based on history and Aaron Rodgers when he was drafted and being under Brett Favre and sitting through that, we'd like to think that Aaron Rodgers will be a mentor. Um, we learned last night from Rob Domofsky, he put out that Apparently Aaron Rodgers reached out to Jordan Love. He was the one that called him. It was not the other way around. He he initiated the conversation and he he said that we're gonna we're gonna you know work together and and Jordan Love's gonna learn as much as he can. Um it, it's just I Mike, I really hope, I really hope that Aaron Rodgers doesn't try to do anything diva, that he doesn't try to you know, look the other way with Jordan Love. I really hope that while Rodgers knows that he's got to go out there and perform, I also hope that he can teach as much as he can to Jordan Love. And again, if you're in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, you know, how much of that do you want to instill in a quarterback that's up and coming? That That is a pretty legitimate question.
4: Somebody asked me this last night. How do you think Aaron's going to handle this? I said, you know what, he's going to handle it just like Brett. Brett, you know, didn't know if he wanted to play. wasn't sure. Came off, and then 2005, and you know, he threw 27 interceptions and you know, more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Then he went 4 and 12. It was a horrible. Mike Sherman got fired, but Ted was rebuilding the team and changing it out. 2006, they go 8 and 8 under Mike McCarthy, and then in 2007, whether you talked to Deanna or his mom Bonita or I talked to his brother Scott, they said Favre was all in. He was, he was, that's part of the reason he thought maybe it was time to quit because he put everything he could into it. They were winning games. They were 13-3 and, and and there's Brett with the laptop on Sunday night, even after games that they won. He was all in. He was that because you know why? After two years in that training camp, if you looked at those two guys, 4 and 12, 12 was the better quarterback. By year three. And so Favre knew that this kid was breathing down his neck. And Favre played a tremendous year. He still had another couple of good years in with him, right? He took the Vikings to the NFC Championship game. And so I just think that this will make Aaron Rodgers even more focused and more competitive than ever before.
3: Well, speaking of which, Brett Favre was on TMZ uh, just last night. And he's been more and more opinionated lately. He's been doing more and more things with the media. I know he does some stuff for XM as well. Um, But he believes that Aaron Rodgers will mentor Jordan Love. You got to just keep doing what you're doing.
8: And Aaron and I watched a lot of extra film together. I had no problems giving him any insight that he asked for if I could. And and I think Aaron will do that too.
3: Brett Favre on TMZ also thinks Aaron realizes that he is transitioning.
8: He gets how I was when he came in because – now he's at that age that I was when he came in. I think he's got many good years ahead of him. But you do have to start grooming the next guy. And Aaron gets it. You know, I was, I was never upset about it. I used to think every year when they did draft a quarterback early, I thought, well, dodged another And in 37, I realized that when they drafted Aaron, that that's kind of reality setting in. Not that I thought I was going to be replaced right away, but that it slowly transitioned out with the old and in with the new.
3: I want to say that's the first time Brett Favre has said that, Mike. I mean, unless there was something he said recently that I missed.
4: No, you know, and it's like this. I mean, here's the here's the deal. Rodgers thought that when Brett was in Green Bay that they had a pretty good relationship. He looked up to him. Rodgers has said, I I watched this guy playing when I was a high school kid at Chico. He was one of my heroes. I absolutely loved the the way that guy played. Now he finds himself in the quarterback room. And in the quarterback room, when you're game planning and getting ready, you see the veteran. He's going to answer questions. You're going to see what's on the board. I've talked to other backup quarterbacks in Green Bay. There there was a guy named Ingle Martin bright guy it just didn't have much of an arm um but i said so what's that quarterback room like he says it's on un- farm is unbelievable it, this is no hillbilly okay he said they can put cut-ups up on the on the screen and and before the snap he can say and said all right you see the safety on the right you see how he just dropped down then this means they're going to shift from this zone that says okay go ahead and run it and he could he absolutely could predict on the film where a defense that they were pre- preparing for for the next week go. That, that Favre almost had this, like, incredible sixth sense of spatial things, of this guy moves, that guy shifts, you know, where it was all going, how he could see the field. Well, so does Aaron Rodgers. I, trust me, if you're just able to sit in the room and not say a word, you're going to pick those things up. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give him all your secrets, but if you just shut up and listen, you'll learn.
3: He is Mike Clemens, our Green Bay football reporter. I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. It is the Green Gold Draft Recap Show here on The Fan, 414-799-1250. We'll get to Lewis, Tim, Trell, and many more on hold in just a minute. I want to thank many of our tremendous sponsors who are a part of our draft coverage uh, throughout the last three days. Thanks again to Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling. Great customer service, family style, on the web at brothersconsolidated.com. And also, Schulze Family Beef, high-quality pasture-raised beef from their Wisconsin family farm, to your family's table on the web at Beef.com. We'll get more of your reaction on the 2020 Packers draft class coming up next.
2: You're listening to the Fan's Green and Gold Draft Recap Show, presented by Q Club of Wisconsin and Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship with Joe Zanzola and Green Bay football insider Mike Clemens.
3: That's right. I'm Radio Joe alongside Mike Clemens. Sam Schmitz, our producer, has been doing a fine job other side of the glass. Also taking your calls at 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250. Before we go back out to the calls, Brian Gudikins is talking right now with the media. He's kind of recapping everything. And, of course, the big hot topic is why did they not take a wide receiver in such a deep wide receiver draft class? So this is what Gudikins had to say, quote, we felt it was a really, It was really strong at the top. I don't know as we went through the middle and the end that we felt it was as strong as maybe others did. I felt the top was one of the stronger classes I can remember, but the runs went pretty early. He also says that he still feels very confident in the current group that they have right now, Mike Clemens.
4: Well, so there you go, and that's why today... When you start off in the fifth round, you've gone through the fourth. And still, one of those uh, wide receivers that people talked about, that Badger fans saw, was Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver out of Michigan. He was still on the board. And what did the Packers do? They went with this linebacker who just had knee surgery out of Minnesota, Kamal Martin. And 12 picks later, the Browns took him at 187. So uh, that explains that. Also, in some of our callers have talked about, um, why didn't you get more help at defense? Because um, you've got to replace Kyler Fackrell, too. You know, Kyler Fackerel's a guy that we pretty much got tipped off in December that he wanted out because, you know, he felt that as a former draft pick, he deserved recognition. He'd worked hard, that after Clay and Nick Perry moved on, that he should have gotten more snaps. And instead, and he was one of the leaders in snaps in, in, in quarterback sacks the year before, he felt that uh, he deserved more playing time. But under Mike Pettin, um, instead, he takes a back seat. Instead, they go out and spend all that money on the Smith brothers, and then they hire, they pick up Rashawn Gary as their first round pick. He wanted out. He felt insulted, so he got a one year prove it deal for some money with the Giants. What are you going to, do to replace him? And they just think that this Jonathan Garvin kid they picked up as an edge from Miami is a guy that they can p- compete with. It's another big kid. They they seem to like to get these guys. that are like six four and two sixty three and they can also play defensive end and stand-up, and they'll they'll have to come up with other schemes in terms of getting speed to the backfield to pressure the quarterback.
3: Six offensive players, three defensive players, no defensive linemen selected in this draft, and no wide receivers like we just discussed. Lewis and Bayview, you're next up on the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show.
12: Hey, guys. um,
6: First-time caller, long-time listener. Thanks for taking my call. Keep it short and sweet. Um, a little bit frustrated with the second and third round picks. You know, I'm seeing a lot of experts that are pushing those guys back, you know, one or maybe even two rounds later. Um, wondering why, you know, we couldn't push back and, and maybe get some more draft compensation. Um, like you guys mentioned, it seemed like we skipped over a lot of, uh, better talent, um, just to get some guys that maybe we're enamored with.
4: Yeah, I appreciate your call and thank you for listening too. Um, And that's a question too. Actually, Goodikins was asked that directly like, hey, nobody else had A.J. Dillon, a running back out of Boston College, going in the second round. I mean, what's going on there? And his answer was, well, we had him rated a lot higher. They thought that he was worth the value. Their uh, East Regional Scout. Mike Mason had been following this kid since he was a freshman, liked the way he developed, thought he had good football IQ at 247, a unique, you know, big-back ball carrier, and they think they they think they think got flew something in under the radar, some kind of a steal. They feel the same way about this Josiah DeGura out of Cincinnati as a tight end who seems like a really smart kid. I'll give him that. And He made a pretty good first impression with us on the telephone last night that not only is he a, a tight end candidate – but maybe a guy that will sir sort can of move around as an H-back, you know. And I can't tell you anything past that, pal, some on the football field running around and taking reps.
3: Yeah, our lead scouting had A.J. Dillon projected to go either in the third or fourth round. And yeah. with Degara, he was projected to go 6th, 7th round. There were so many tight ends that were listed. And, again, this was a very weak tight end class. But there were so many tight ends that were taken ahead. The Broncos took a kid a little bit later on, actually early on in the 4th round today, who was actually bigger and faster than Degara is for the Packers. So, I don't know. You know, again, it's going to be very interesting to see how these guys play out. I agree, though. I feel like those two picks. I like the I like Mike, I like the prospects as they are, watching them and what they have. But I agree with Lewis. Like I think these guys would have been available a little later on. And I guess that's part of the issue I have with that. But again, if you look at the players that they have taken thus far, it seems like a good group, but it also means we're looking a little bit towards the future, and we really don't know if any of these guys are going to make a significant impact this year when the Packers are trying to win a Super Bowl. Let's go to Tim in Arizona. Tim, you're next up on the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show.
11: Good afternoon, guys. I listened to you many times when I used to live in De Pere, but then I got tired of the cold winters, and so I moved to Arizona. Don't blame you. All right. Uh, what we have here is a reincarnation of the last dance. There's plenty of blame to go around on all sides. Goody needs to be fired and find a job as a short-order cook at a Waffle House because, <laughs> he certainly doesn't, because he certainly doesn't know how to pick talent. Just look at his picks from the last three drafts. There isn't any pro bowlers or stars, just a bunch of guys and bums. We need to get Elliot Wolf back from Cleveland, who should have got the GM job in Green Bay in the first place. If I were Aaron Rodgers... I would ask for a trade because I'm not reporting for camp anymore with this franchise. You've wasted the last 10 years of my life for what with this cast of bums. I have a $25 million home in the Los Angeles area, and I want to finish my career out with the Super Bowl either there, San Francisco, or Las Vegas.
3: All All right, Tim. All right, thanks for the call. I'm going to say this, Mike, and I don't know if you agree with this. Um, I tweeted it out earlier, and again, you guys can follow me at Radio Joe Sports. Mike is at Mike Clemens NFL. I do believe that this draft, the 2020 draft, will be the defining draft of whether or not Brian Gudekins is that good of a GM because I think there is just so much put on the line here in a season where the Packers are trying to win a Super Bowl, but also when you make that decision to take Jordan Love as early as you did, Now, all of a sudden, you do put pressure on pretty much everyone now to decide whether or not, you know, this is all about the future and looking ahead to the future. So, like, I look at it, I think this is a defining draft, and I think this is something you can look back at 10 years from now and decide really whether or not Brian Gudekins did know what he was doing at the time.
4: You haven't... You know, what's that stat that they haven't had a skilled position player on offense drafted in 15 years. And that was Aaron Rodgers. And that was the one year then where they took uh, Brian Braun, who was horrible, horrible out of Louisville. That's a kid that, um, you know, he played like for his dad and his grandfather. I mean, you know, he got outside of Louisville. He was kind of exposed. I couldn't see him uh, take care of the center quarterback exchange in practice for crying out loud, much less move the football. Matt Flynn was a seven-round pick. Matt Flynn should be a fighter pilot. I mean, that, that guy had, had ice water in his veins, and that's how he could run the offense and still keep in games and, and pull out some pretty big wins and set a touchdown record in that one game at the end of the year against the Lions one day. So um, they have not invested since Aaron Rodgers in the quarterback position. And they, they bring in these undrafted guys. They, uh, they, they drafted Brett Hundley uh, out of UCLA, and then he didn't show up. And then Deshaun Kaiser had an arm uh, as a former first-round pick from the Browns, but he was damaged goods by the time he got to Green Bay. That's the one thing I was thinking about this last night after I started watching some more film on Jordan Love out of Utah State at 6'4 and 225. He's, he's the first guy since Rodgers, to come in with a big arm, arm strength. This guy can throw the football down the field. And when they do these drills and you're watching them out there at at practice, they set up that ring with the net 55 yards away, the other guys have to to get a running start to get the ball up there. Rodgers can plant his feet and and plant and look and concentrate and use those big hands and actually can hit the basket. That's going to change now. Now they've got a, a second guy in the camp They can throw the ball as far and hopefully as accurate as Rodgers, even when you're standing still. And it's the most important position on the field. At some point, you had to make that investment. And now that your future Hall of Fame quarterback is 36 years old, they decided we need to pull the trigger on that issue.
3: Well, speaking right now is head coach Matt LaFleur, and there's a couple of highlights I want to pull from it real quick before we go to break, Mike. The first thing, LaFleur has high praise for Jordan Love. He calls him a humble guy. They looked at some of his plays with him during the interview process. What stood out? LaFleur says, what I love about him is the accountability he took for everything, good, bad, et cetera. Matt LaFleur on Aaron Rodgers, quote, I hope he can play until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. We will have more on this whole thing between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers coming up on the other side. Uh, some really interesting stuff. We'll have more here from Matt LaFleur coming up too. It's the Green Gold Draft Recap Show. He's Mike Clemens I'm Radio Joe Zenzola. I want to thank our sponsors again who have been a part of our draft coverage all week on The Fan including Q Club of Wisconsin. They're serving their full lunch and dinner menu plus tomorrow their breakfast for curbside takeout. They even have pre-mixed cocktails to go That sounds pretty cool. Visit them on Facebook. Q Club of Wisconsin, Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Also brought to you by Associated Builders and Contractors of Wisconsin Apprenticeship, ABC Apprenticeship, and the hundreds of employers offering careers in construction like plumbing, electrical, HVAC, and heavy equipment operating. Go to abcwi.org. We will have more coming up next here on The Fan.
2: You're listening to the Fans Green and Gold Draft Recap Show, presented by Brothers Consolidated Heating and Cooling and Schulze Family Beef, with Joe Zenzola and Green Bay Football Insider Mike Clemens.
3: 28 seconds left in the half. Love, looking near side, Enzo. all.
8: a very natural thrower, make all the throws. He's a very good athlete. He has the kind of size we look for. And I just think there's some rawness to him, but I think he's got everything in front of him and we really like the guy. Uh, we think he's a really good kid and one to work and um, he just kind of fits with our culture.
3: Utah State Radio with the highlight. That's Brian Gudikins talking about Jordan Love the other night. Welcome back. Green Eagle Draft recap show continues here on the fan alongside Mike Clemens and Sam Schmitz. I'm Radio Joe. Also worth noting here from Brian Gudekinst a little bit earlier, Mike, that had this money quote. T- t- take a listen to this with Jordan Love. He says, the reason they felt comfortable moving on from Brett Favre was what Aaron Rodgers proved in three years. In order for Jordan Love to be the next guy, he has to prove the same thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting there from Brian Gudekinst.
4: Let me tell you something. We have been used to the NFL promoting... This is the league of Tom Brady. And before that, you know, Peyton Manning. Is Peyton the greatest quarterback of all time, winning a second Super Bowl with the Broncos? A uh, Drew Brees. And of Aaron Rodgers. The league has moved on. The, I, I've been watching some Arizona Cardinals games from last year. I know they had a losing record. But that's a team to look out for. Yes, Kyler Murray kid. In his rookie season, with the crap he had to work with and a rookie head coach... Oh my God, that's a, that's going to be a dangerous team when they get back
3: on the field. And add DeAndre and that, Hopkins to that equation now.
4: Yeah, and then and then and then Deshaun Watson and how that guy has grown and what we got to see last summer too, you know, face to face in training camp. And then of course Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Andy Reid did not just sit pat with a good, experienced, been to the playoffs quarterback like Alex Smith. He saw Patrick. Anybody could have gotten Patrick Mahomes. The Bears could have had Patrick Mahomes. They were sitting on the board. But Andy Reid and that staff and Dorsey, they took the gamble. They made the big trade, and they got what's now the best quarterback in the National Football League right now. That's the future of this league. And so all of a sudden, as great as Aaron Rodgers has been, in your heart, you know he's maybe the fifth best quarterback in the NFL right now. And, of course, you folks will argue and say, We'll get him some weapons, for crying out loud. And, yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, I, I've got to tell you, it's about winning tomorrow. It's not about winning for the guy, you know, to get that guy one more ring. It's what's going to keep my job for the next five to seven years, not what's going to, you know, add more trophies to some guy that's already headed to the Hall of Fame.
3: Let's go to Troll on the north side. Troll, you're next up on the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show. What's up, T? Well,
4: I couldn't
13: disagree with Mike <laughs> so much. You said it's about five to seven years your job. It's not about job security. It should always be about winning. Um, I mean, if if it's about job security, then you should always throw winning out the door because the, the, the time when a guy's contract is coming up, you're going to draft his replacement all the time. So uh, that's the problem. We've been waiting for this team to put some type of semblance, even from the Ted Thompson years, to try to go and win more Super Bowls. That, that's what tells you that the Super Bowl that they did win was a – was a magic carpet ride, like Sparky said, it was. Yeah. It was an outlier. It, yeah. it was not because they they they, they set up the team to do that. It just so happened they got hot at the right time and they won it at Super Bowl. This was a terrible draft. There's no, I mean, you can try your best to spin it, be optimistic as you want, but what they're doing is they're trying to uh, win without Aaron Rodgers while he's still on the on 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 the team, and I mean strap him that he, he can't – he's not going to be able to play like the Aaron Rodgers that we know that he, he's able to play at. that There's going to be no semblance of weapons for him to play like that. He's going to be just a pedestrian quarterback hanging the ball off like he's Peyton Manning. Uh, he, he, he still has skill. He's not what Peyton Manning was when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl based off of their defense and running game. This is just terrible. And you know what? I know everybody's saying Aaron Rodgers should be the, the, the good boy soldier. I'm telling you. I would not be upset or mad at all if he demanded a trade, if he held out. I know he's not going to do it, but if I was him, that's what I would do. Let me, send me to a team that wants to win Super Bowls and give me an opportunity in my last two to four years to try my best to add some more jury to the catalog. It's just
4: what they're doing. Terrell is always a strong take. And let me tell you, too, my mission is not to spin it to you. I'm trying to interpret the best that I can from everything I know inside the building as to what they think, what they think they need to do in order to win. But that's why I'm also telling you uh, uh, just I at this last Super Bowl down in Miami, I got a strong whiff of the league is not going to be promoting Brady and Breeze and Rodgers much much anymore. The the owners are saying, "Wow, look at the fresh crop of quarterbacks we've got." This is our this is our financial plan for ratings for the next five years. We want to see more exciting football play from these younger 25-year-old quarterbacks, and there's a crop of these kids that are coming back. I'm just telling you, that's the kind of pressure that's coming in to the league as to what they're looking for.
3: Trell, as always, man, thanks for the call. 414-799-1250. We can still get you in here, taking you guys up to 8 o'clock tonight. Jordan Love talked about waking up. As the Packers quarterback.
9: Hey, I mean, I didn't know what to expect coming into this, so uh, you know, I'm super excited. Oh, I'm already knowing I can learn a lot from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that's one of the the goats right there in the game, and uh, um, I had some good talks with uh, coaching staff here at Green Bay, so I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to be able to come as much as I can.
3: There's a lot to look at here with Jordan Love, Mike. And again, I, you know, watching a lot of tape on him this morning, you know, just seeing the the positives, seeing the weaknesses. There's been a lot of things also that have counted against him this past season. I mean, he had a breakout year in 2018, 2019. He has a completely different coaching staff. Gary Anderson comes in. He loses most of his starters on offense. It's a completely different thing. And he struggles and he throws all these interceptions. But again, I can see where the upside is there. It's just, for me, it, it, I just don't think now is the time to be wasting a first-round pick on a kid like Jordan Love. I mean, again, Brian Gudukins can say whatever he wants, but I just don't think this was the right time unless Jordan Love was going to fall back into the third or fourth round of this draft. And it, it's, it, for me, it's going to be a tough sell for a while. It really is. Well,
4: well, I think that's what irks Packer fans, and I think they've got a point, is they traded up for him. He, he didn't fall to them. They traded up, and that that sends off a, a warning signal that they were desperate to get him, that they thought they needed to get that quarterback. And, and again, um, all I can tell you is straight-faced, the, the Packers will tell you, we go buy our board, we go buy value. They must have thought that this guy was a top 15 pick. When he crossed the line at 20, that's when they picked up the phone for sure and said, okay, Miami already got their quarterback. Maybe we can – and for to, to move up four spots in the first round and only have to give up a fourth-round pick in a spot where you thought, eh, there won't be as much traffic there anyway, they thought they got a huge deal for that. Now, of course, the rest is up to the future and Jordan Love and how much he takes – Advantage of, of, of his opportunity. And I don't know if we've got to take a break, but when we come back, I want to share this pretty funny story that Aaron Rodgers had about how he pulled pranks last year on Matt LaFleur.
3: It is the Green Old Gold Draft Recap Show here on The Fan, brought to you by some of our great sponsors who are a part of it, including ABC Audio Video, Home Entertainment, Simply Done Right, on the web at abcaudiovideo.com, and also brought to you by West Bend Sausage Plus. Owners Ben and Andy offer you the freshest homemade meats, the finest quality steaks, and a variety of homemade brats and more. Westbendsausageplus.com. He's Mike Clemens. I'm Radio Joe. We'll wrap things up and hear about this little prank story coming up next on The Fan.
2: You're listening to the Fan's Green and Gold Draft Recap Show, presented by ABC Audio Video and West Bend Sausage Plus with Joe Zenzola and Green Bay Football Insider Mike Clemens.
3: Thanks again for tuning in with just a couple minutes left here. Wanted to get this in, Mike. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a lot of revealing stuff with A.J. Hawk recently, including something where he was pranking Matt LaFleur, right?
4: Yeah. Now, in a lot of the national media assume that Was Aaron Rodgers going to be a problem for the new head coach, Matt LaFleur? They got along great, Uh, both very competitive, um, and they had a great season at 13-3. But this was pretty revealing. Rodgers talked about, he says preseason, but he's talking about family night when he made the appearance there, about he sort of pulled a prank that started to backfire throughout the season with LaFleur. Listen to Aaron Rodgers.
14: I like messing with Matt on the sidelines, too, sometimes, just because he's... (laughs) He's, uh, he's, he's such a great guy. You like messing he's with everybody. Little, to be, for the record, you like messing with most people. I like messing with everybody. You're right. But what's fun to do with Matt, because he is a little more keyed up than I am, is just kind of messing with him sometimes. So it was kind of the boy who cried wolf, though, unfortunately, because uh, I was messing with him early in the like in the in the season, and I did the cup my ears and tapped my helmet like I can't hear anything, when I actually could, and so he started freaking out a little bit. This was. Uh, this was in the preseason, the only game I played, I believe it was. So the next time I did it was like the first game of the year against Chicago, like the second drive. My helmet goes out and I cannot hear him. And he's like getting really pissed. Like, why is he messing with me? What place he calling? And I'm literally yelling at like Tim Boyle over there going, I can't hear anything <laughs> my helmet's not working so there's like a timeout and they had to rush in the backup helmet and, and you know and then this happened you know a couple of times throughout the year but you know at the end uh, the last uh, home game we had uh hit jimmy on a crossing route late in the game and the first down was going to get us the chance to run out the clock because was two minute warning and there's a big uh, you know a big spot review of that one and matt wasn't quite sure that we hadn't you know he thought they had one timeout out like they hadn't taken off the board yet and so i was kind of i was kind of messing with him i didn't come over to the sideline for the two-minute warning because i knew we could just kneel it out and we had the game one and he was like come on over and i was just shaking my head no he said come <laughs> come here and i was just shaking my head no <laughs> and we had a good laugh about that he really does love it, uh, like afterwards, but in the moment, he until he realizes I'm messing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny to kind of hold a joke until you start to see somebody eh, just about to lose it and then break it to him like, hey, I'm just kidding.
4: Yeah, we played that for Lloyd Butler. Say, did you ever do that to Homer? And he said, uh, no.
3: <laughs> Mike Clemens, thank you so much. Some really good stuff. My thanks to Mike. My thanks to Sam Schmitz. I'm Radio Joe Zanzola. This has been the Green and Gold Draft Recap Show. Hey, Monday on the Fan, we're live and local, 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. Keep it here with us. We're going to break down the draft. So many storylines, so many topics, so many things to debate. Everything on your green green and gold is we kind of get you through this coronavirus pandemic. There is sports to talk about again. And we'll probably talk about that last dance, too, episodes three and four. You guys have a good night. And again, we'll see what happens here with the 2020 Packers.
0: Okay, picture this.